everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Match Slip Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Angeloni. Today's show, we're going to be talking to Cardboard Shuffle with store owner Mark out in Tennessee. If you haven't already listened, we released today an episode with Treasure Coast Magic. Don and Jen are the owners of that store out in Port St. Lucie, Florida. So you could check that episode out. This is episode 10, and I'm very happy to welcome Mark to the show. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Very well. How about yourself? I'm doing well as well. Glad to hear you're doing well too. What part, Mark, of Tennessee are you guys in? Because I saw on your website, um, Kingsport was the town listed on the website. I was curious, like in relation to the major cities like Nashville, Memphis, Knoxville, the ones I could think of off the top of my head, what's the proximity of your store to those locations in Kingsport? Okay. So we're eight and a half hours east of Memphis. Uh, we are f- about four and a half hours, five hours away from Nashville to the east, uh, and then about an hour and a half to the east of Knoxville. Um, we're a uh, factory town. Uh, I don't know if you are familiar with Kodak Film Company. Yes. Uh, yeah. So originally it, it was founded in Kingsport, Tennessee, from my understanding, it was the Kodak Eastman Company. And then when that's why everybody moved to this area. And then when the um, digital film, uh, uh, digital cameras took over, you know, Eastman and Kodak split off. And now Eastman is, or Kodak is located in New York and Eastman is now headquartered in Kingsport. So, but it's, um, so that's the reason why anybody even lives in this area, (laughs) but it's also uh, about uh, five minutes uh, drive from Virginia and then, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Bristol Motor Speedway. If anybody's familiar with that, we're about 15 minutes from there. So, so your closest proximity is actually Virginia, as compared to those other major cities in Tennessee. Yeah, we're actually closer to Star. We're actually pretty close to Star City Games. Um, not to you know give them a free shout out there, but you know we're about two hours from them, so we're right in the middle between Roanoke and uh, and Knoxville. Okay, it, it, it's funny you brought up Star City Games because. I recently spoke with Mike Hall not too long ago of Blade Gaming, and he mm-hmm. he told me to reach out to you. So, how long have you and Mike uh, known each other for? So, so, Mike is actually from our area, from my area originally, and then he migrated up that way. Um, you know, for a larger city feel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have about the same population area as Roanoke because uh, we're in the area they call the Tri Cities, um, which is has about a half a million people metro area but none of the cities are very large in themselves. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So did you start off when Cardboard Shuffle came about, how did it come about to be? Did you start off working at other game stores prior and then Cardboard Shuffle soon uh, came into the mix? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, so I have a really convoluted story with that. Uh, so I had my own construction supply company back in the day. Uh, I was really young. Um, when I took that, when I started that and, um, decided somebody offered to buy me out, uh, when I was about 24, 25, um, of the construction supply company, they were actually after my contracts with Eastman chemical. Um, and, uh, so I sold to them, decided I was going to go back to store, uh, back to school, you know, do something else with my life. And, um, uh, during the back to school, um, I started working for another game store, uh, in the area that no longer, well, they still sell games occasionally, but they're now more of a, a pub than anything else. Um, and I worked for them. Um, they were 
struggling uh, when I started working for them. But when I left, they were doing, you know, a couple of million dollars a year in sales mm-hmm. and then um, went off and become a school teacher and then circle around COVID COVID happens. I got bored. Uh, so I started just, you know, selling my cards online, just bored them. Um, bought a few of my buddies' collections, stuff like that. And then it started turning, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, I took over one bedroom in my house. Then I took over a second bedroom. Then I started going into the living room. And I was like, I better do something before my wife says something. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, anyway, so then we, we opened up an official store uh, in a little small hole in the wall. This is all during COVID, you know, and, um, yeah. And then it's just took off from there where we're, we've been growing, we've tripled to quadrupled our sales every year on the year. Um, so, so we'll see if that keeps going. That's phenomenal to be quadrupling the sales. So what drew you to the business overall? I know it started off out of your house, but were you a, a player at one point in time? Do you still play? Yeah, I actually played, uh, from, um, I started out playing card games with, uh, one of my buddies, uh, when I was, uh, 97. So I was about seven or eight years old, um, right in there. And, uh, we started with like Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, that's like the gateway, <laughs> the gateway to, uh, to card games. And then it just, uh, got to the point where we started, uh, they had the 10 cent box of magic cards at the local comic book shop. And so we'd go through there. We we're like, man, for six bucks, we can build us a whole deck, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I built, uh, elves. I remember that. But anyway, then from there on, you know, we just kept playing, kept playing, building up my collection and stuff like that. And then I sold my collection to buy a house. Um, and then started reacquiring those pieces after I bought my house, you know, um, and then worked our way from there. And so, yeah, but I played magic. I was uh, what you would consider a grinder there for probably, eight years. So somewhere in there, got a ninth place finish at a Charlotte open, uh, playing Wolf run robots. That's probably the highlight, you know, <laughs> congrats though. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So how many of those SCG circuit events, uh, did you participate in at the time? Oh man. Um, so I went to every one of them on the East coast that was South, like, so Baltimore, like Baltimore, Philadelphia, South, Okay. Um, and then like Indianapolis, uh, basically east there. I t- covered that whole little area. I went to every one of them basically. So, so you were like, it was like you were on it like every every weekend or because I remember they were. It felt like every weekend. Yes. To, to my knowledge, yeah. Basically, the only time we wouldn't go is like the east coast or the west coast swings and stuff like that because it just. I mean, yeah, it's cheap to fly to Vegas from where we live, but it's not cheap to stay in Vegas, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. And it just wasn't wasn't worth our time going down there playing. Thir- At that time, they did all the rounds in one day, and you're talking 13, 14 rounds in one day. Um, and it was just one of those, like, we got to be back home on Monday for work, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's right. It's like, do you, do you really want to do that to yourself? So. How do you like mentally prepare yourself for that amount of rounds? Because I even feel like just with the RCQs of today, like doing five rounds 
six rounds is a lot. I've never done like a 13 round event before. So how do you mentally prepare yourself for that? Well, uh, you, you hope that your brain doesn't turn to mush uh, or you just choose a really <laughs> simple deck where Wolf Run was, uh, was kind of a dumb deck. I, I was having fun the whole time because it played a card called Mirror, Mirror Battlesphere in it, just as a one of, and I always got a giggle after casting it because it was a Japanese one. It was a Japanese foil. Um, Mirror Battlesphere and the judges all that whole tournament loved coming over and explaining to my opponent exactly how busted that card really was. Um, so <laughs> do you recall what it does? Cause I don't know if I've heard of that card. So it's a seven drop four, seven. When this mirror battlesphere come enters the battlefield, create four one, one colorless mirror artifact creature tokens. When mirror battlesphere attacks, you may tap X mirrors. You control. If you do mirror battlesphere gets plus X plus O until the end of turn and deals X damage to the player or planeswalker. It's attacking. So what you would do is you'd play like the little, like a mana dork mirrors and stuff like that. And then, so you'd have like, when you cast this thing, you'd have like six or seven mirrors out. And I mean, back in the day, you know, like you were playing with fetches and all kinds of stuff. So you would take quite a bit of damage and then you just come in and boom, there you go. (laughs) So. And mirrors have seemed to have made some type of a comeback as of late. Seems more so from the commander standpoint, but Yes, it's 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 neat to see them come back again. Yeah, but it was just funny because you know my opponent would be like, and also with uh, Wolf Run, uh, you would give it Trample and stuff like that. So you just it just made it huge. So, and what year was this that you were playing in this tournament? Two thousand eleven was actually that one. So. Oh wow! So it's going back some time then. Mm-hmm. Do you still have the time? I'm sure it's probably difficult with running the store. You still have the time these days to play in any type of competitive tournaments like you used to? No, I don't have time to grind anymore. It's just, uh, and especially as problematic as they've made the system, you know, at one time, I mean, like when they had the point system, like the REL points, uh, right. uh, you know, I, I qualified uh, through limited, but you know, it's just for the, for the pro tour, but you know, and then they did did away with the points like as soon as I qualified, so it it didn't matter. You know, they went to planeswalker points or whatever. And how are you managing things now with the like tournaments in the store with the new system? How does that all function and and work together? Well, we just tried something new. Um, so uh, you know, the new RCQ system. Um, you know, all these people are trying to do these like big cash tournaments to draw people in and stuff like that, and. You know, and then they're trying to hope that they get enough people that they can take a little cut off the top, you know. Um, so what uh, we recently just tried and we got a lot of positive feedback for from it was just $5 entry. Like I buy the kit, we're $5 entry, we're just playing for the promos. And uh, that, that seemed to go over very smoothly because um, most of the people there are just for the, there for the spots anyway. They want that spot and they could care less about any other prize support, you know? So, so it made it, mm-hmm. it made it a lot more fun for a lot of people because they didn't have, they didn't lose $30, you know, you know, they didn't go O2 drop and lose $30 at the very beginning or 25 or whatever, you know, certain I've seen some people charge $60 for their RCQs. So yeah, they could definitely get quite expensive. Now, do you have a team um, that work with you or is it just you by yourself running the events at the store? Oh, no, no, no. I've got, I've got five employees currently. So, 
Um, and they all, they're basically all full time. So, oh, that's great. And what's, what's your particular role at the store these days? Uh, now I just, uh, I, uh, cover days that they can't work. Um, I come in for about an hour or two every day, make sure they don't need anything, you know, go get money from the bank, that kind of thing. Um, and then mainly I do the ordering, um, you know, pay all the bills and that kind of stuff. And then I work, I still work as a school teacher um, just because I enjoy it. So, no, that's good. At least you're doing two things you enjoy. Most people just, you know, try to go for for just finding one thing that they can enjoy doing. But I'm I'm glad to see that you have two things that you enjoy doing. How how much time do you have to split between being a school teacher and and running the store um, as the owner? How does that all factor in in your day to day life? Because I'm sure it, it takes a lot up of your time. Yes, yes, it does. So. My day as a school teacher, I, I wake up about 530 um, and I have to be at my school at seven. So I wake up about 530 um, and then uh, starts from there. As soon as I get done with school, I drive from school to the store, um, get there about 330, four o'clock. Um, and then I stay for about two or three hours and then I go home and then start my day over. So. And then are you going to the store the days that you work at the store pretty much like right after? after work almost like with the school. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we just got done with summer. Uh, so summer I was there every day from open till about seven or eight o'clock at night. Um, and then right now I'll only be there for probably about three or four hours after I get done and then I'll go home and be like, guys, I'm tired. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then I normally work all day Saturday. Um, well, not all all day, but I'll get there about noon and I'll work till about six or seven. So, and how involved from a day to day operation standpoint with doing the ordering and and the bills? Uh, I'm, I can only imagine that takes up a lot of your time there, just that alone. But then also, you know, working the front counter. You know, when mm-hmm. your employees have the day off, how do you? balance all of that? Cause I, I've heard, you know, from other stores that, it, you know, it's hard, you know, with running a game store and some people may not realize how much is involved with that. So how do you go about maintaining, you know, all those various aspects of the business day to day? Well, about three to four hours of every day is just figuring out how much money I have to spend and, you know, what we need for the store. Um, you know, cause when, when you get going through as much product as we go through now, you know, you've got to use, you know, three to four different distributors, you know, cause you can't just get it all from one place. You know, the allotment system does not allow for that. So, um, you know, like Lorcana is a perfect example, you know, the, there's three distributors that are carrying Lorcana. Um, and so I've ordered from all three of them. Uh, so with the balance between that and like, running the front counter is uh, we, I normally just bring like a little laptop up to the front and in between customers, I'll take care of that, um, do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, generally I work the earlier shifts, so we're not as slammed at that time. So I can kind of slip off and do the things that I need to do. Um, so. Yeah. Is that one of the, more difficult dealings with in terms of the day to day. And since you have to go through multiple distributors and you can't just get all product from one location. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out the allotment system, especially during COVID that was, was a mess, you know, cause you're like, 
I mean, sometimes you'd be like, Hey, I, I need, you know, 40 booster boxes of the new Pokemon set. And you'd call up one of them and they'd be like, I got four for you, you know? And you'd be like, well, all right. And then you'd call another one. I got three, you know, and you're just sitting there and you're just trying to piecemeal it all together, you know? Um, so, uh, especially starting out, starting out, it is so hard to get your allotment numbers because you got to spend money, you know, you got to spend money for them to want to give you more product. So that, that was the biggest struggle that we had. Is that the reason why it's so difficult to get in the beginning what you want in terms of the amount of product is because they're waiting almost, I guess, in a way the distributors waiting for you to like, quote unquote, prove yourself to them? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I mean, it's something crazy. Like 90% of uh, hobby stores go out of business, you know, in the first like three years, you know? Um, So I think they don't want to give you the time of day until they know you're sticking around, you know, it's all about business relationships. Of course. You know Um, I mean, I know some distributors you go in there and you're like, Hey, I'm a new store. And they're like, okay. And they're like, so I want to be, I want to set up with you. And they'd be like, well, we only take stores that have only been in business for two years or more, you know, and you're just sitting there and you're like, Oh, okay. You know, well, moving on to the next one, you know? Um, so, so how did you combat that when you first started opening the store? I guess, let, I guess we could start by saying what year did you open the store in? Uh, so technically we are in year three. So, uh, technically on July 29th, I think was our year two. I think it was the 29th might've been the 22nd, um, was our, uh, year two mark of actually having a, like a open storefront. Um, other than that, the year prior we were a, um, we're online only. Um, so we've technically been in business. This is our fourth year, but this is our third year open as a full retail store. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So once you open the store, when you were in an online capacity, you were you dealing with the distributors in the same capacity that you are now? I would imagine having the actual storefront now makes the interaction a little bit different. I would assume. Yeah. So there's a lot of brands that care about being a brick and mortar store. And then there's a lot of brands that don't care. They just want to push their product no matter where it is. Um, and so some of those products are very volatile in their pricing. Um, you know, you'll, the, the MSRP of a booster box for some of those games that don't require brick and mortar stores, you know, they'll say, Oh, this booster box is so, supposed to sell for $80 you've got $60 in it and then you pull up TCG player and they're selling for like 47 to $50 a box. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, it's basically like a race to the bottom. It's all the like, and, and you know, I don't want to knock anybody that's starting out of their house. Cause I mean, I started out of my house, but I didn't go with sealed product. I went with singles and buying people's collections and just, you know, funneling it that way. But like some of these people, are just willing to race themselves to the bottom on their margins and like actually just lose money because they're passionate about the, the certain product that they love. And so they're like, I'm willing to take a loss because I just enjoy being able to get the product cheap, you know? Um, so mm-hmm. I feel like that's a little bit of an issue um, with some of the games. And then some of the games they're just starting out and they don't realize that you need to put like, 
and I don't say you need to put, but there just needs to be some kind of restrictions in place to help protect the, um, the products values a little bit better, um, on some games. Um, and then some games, you know, they're, they're super strict about their product and it still goes down to nothing. Um, so, you know, it all, it all depends. Do you think that was a benefit for you early on when you were just doing online with single orders in order to deal with the low margins that are typically involved with game stores? Unfortunately, do you think by taking that approach as you did instead of, you know, the race to the bottom that that enabled you to more successfully open cardboard shuffle in a retail sense? Yes. Uh, So you make your money off of singles and the volume of singles, you get what I'm saying? Because it keeps your cash flow, um, at least in my experience. Um, booster boxes are something that it doesn't matter really how good of a product it is. You're only going to make 20 to 30 bucks and you're spending 60 to $70 on that product. You get what I'm saying? Versus, you know, sometimes you find, you, you know, you buy a bulk box and you find a $5 card that you paid a penny for, you know? Um, so... I don't know. I just feel like the, uh, the margin for starting out, um, and the barrier, the barrier to entry is a lot lower too, if that makes sense. Like, you know, if you know somebody, like if you have your collection here, you know, and you can start doing that, heck I've seen people in Facebook groups and that's all they do is just sit there and they'll post in a Facebook group. Hey, buying cards at 65%, 70%, 80%. Uh, some of them are crazy and they post like a 90 and I'm like, Whoa, you know, it's 10% of profit, you know, and then you're going to lose a lot of that to credit card fees. I mean, like TCG player alone takes almost 15%, you know, like you, you got to make money, you know, and it's one of those, like, if you ain't making 20, at least 20%, in my opinion, it ain't worth your time, you know, cause you can throw, you know, you can throw your, uh, your money into a stock, like an index fund and return about 10 to 15%. And some of these, uh, some of these bonds right now, I mean, heck, you're getting 10% out of some of these high-yield bonds. I mean, if I ain't making 20%, I ain't throwing money at it, you know? And you're using TCG Player as the main source in terms of determining pricing of the cards you sell? Yes, yeah, yeah. TCG Player, uh, if it's something really rare and awkward, I use, like, eBay sold listings. Um, You know, uh, everybody's got their own little bread and butter, but I just feel like it's an overall marking of of the market uh what's selling what's not selling um now you still got those people uh that'll go in there and they just love losing money apparently and they'll just throw throw the something out there you know like say it's a hundred dollar item they'll be like 70 bucks you know big profit loss there yeah yeah and it's just one of those like if you i understand you're wanting to be the cheapest so you move the product but you're also cutting your own self in the throat you know um yeah that's people don't realize that i guess are you still maintaining the online presence with selling cards today as well as doing store yeah yeah so we do anywhere from three thousand to five thousand orders a week oh wow that's a lot that's quite a lot (laughs) yeah uh we stay swamped all the time i've got two to two to three people that just like Two all the time, three some of the time that just sit there and do online orders. So, okay, so at least you have the and that, that you're in a fortunate position with the five employees, especially to help manage that 
input coming in this way you don't get too backed up because uh, how how is it with the turnaround for you guys like the order comes in to then when you ship it out uh so it depends on when it hits us so we're closed on sundays and mondays um just because i want to make sure all of my employees have two consecutive days off no matter what um it's just one of those monday's a slow day in the game store world uh and then sunday is hit and miss so we just went with just be closed sunday and monday um and it, it, it's worked out for us um and it gives all of my employees a guaranteed two days off um, that they can go and do whatever they need to do. They have two days, no matter what, that's guaranteed. So sometimes on those, it could be anywhere from 24 to 48 hours, depending on, you know, if you place your order Saturday at 11 p.m., probably going to be, you know, Tuesday before we get to you, you know, so. But mm-hmm. I mean that you're talking a small number of orders in that area, you know, because um, online sales aren't that great on Sundays either. So it's fine. Well, that's great that you do that for your employees to make sure they give them the two days off. I'm sure that helps tremendously. And, you know, you're not the first store I've heard that's not open on Mondays. And to hear what you mentioned about Mondays being slow in the in the game store world, I'm kind of curious why that is. Is that is I'm sure it's maybe a little more involved, but the first thing that would come to my mind is just it's the beginning of the work week, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. Yeah, I think it's beginning of the work week, plus they've already spent their money from the weekend, so you get paid on a Friday, so on Monday you're generally the brokest. You're going to, like you know, one of the brokest points of your life, your, 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 like, paycheck cycle. Sure. Uh, um, and then also, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on on Mondays too, you know. Um, you know, Mondays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays are awful. Um, we're just open on Wednesdays just because it's awkward to be open Tuesday and then closed on Wednesday. <laughs> 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 you know, um, so uh, it's just one of those, you know, yeah, it's it's a weird day. Monday's a weird day. And every store that I've ever talked to says that Monday's one of their slowest days. It doesn't matter, you know, and it's just like, like today on Monday here, you know, like I said, I told you how many orders we do. So on Monday alone, all we've done on Monday is 52 orders. You get what I'm saying? Like online orders, which is not a lot comparative, you know, like on a Friday, we'll do, you know, 500 or so. So, <laughs> right. Big, big difference between the two days. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's just, uh, just one of those things. It's, it's like, even it's slow online. So why, why even try to compete with that? Why waste my money? Cause literally, you know, people say, Oh, you pay rent 30 days a week, you know, or 31 days a week, your rent is paid. You know, you're paying that rent every day. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not paying my employees every day of the week and just opening the doors. If I don't, so just one employee opening the doors. If I don't sell a thousand dollars worth of merchandise, I lost money. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's a lot of the overhead uh, factors into the profits the store makes. Yeah, yeah. So like you're talking increased electrical, in uh, you know, increased payroll, you know, it's just it's just all that. And for me to pay my employees any kind of decent wage, if I don't make a, if I don't sell a thousand dollars worth of stuff, we've lost money. Um, so you know, it's just mitigating that it's worth it because if I just keep the store closed, you know what I lose two hundred dollars. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Big difference <laughs> when you factor it in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, 
whatever. I'd rather pay the $200 versus, you know, the $200 plus the salary, plus the lots, plus, you know, everything. The electric, like you mentioned, it all adds up. Yeah. So, and when you got a 3000 square foot place that has old halogen lots, you don't want to cut on those lots very often. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Of course. So when, when the store is open, are you holding events every day during the week that it's open? Yes. Uh, that, that would be the only reason why we add more days to our work schedule is just because of the amount of events. Um, in our area, in my little area, we've become the place to play card games. So, um, you know, like Friday Night Magic, I'll have 20 some people, um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's it's. 15 more than the other, the next closest store. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then like uh, one piece, I'll have about 20 people for it. Um, Popper will have 10 to 15 for just playing Popper. Uh, Digimon will have about 15 to 20. Um, you know, Commander Knights, we have 40 people. Wow. You know? So, um, and for a small store, like we're a small store in size. So for 40 people, I think we sit about 50 you know, uh, in our play area. So 40 people you're talking, you know, when they're playing four man pods, that's basically full, you know, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we have some six foot tables, we have some eight foot tables, you know, um, in our layout. And, uh, you know, if they're playing on an eight foot table and they're playing a four man pod, that table's basically took up, you know? Um, yeah. So are you holding multiple events at the same time for different card games or is it like one card game designated for each night? So Tuesday is our chaos day. Uh, one of our chaos days. Uh, so we have multiple card games on Tuesday. We have battle spirits, which we have about eight to 10. We have flesh and blood, which we get about eight to 10. We have popper, which is about 10 to 15. Um, so that's probably our most chaotic night. Um, as far as like multiple games going on at the same time, because they all start at like anywhere from six to seven o'clock. <laughs> so it gets a little wild. Um, and then Thursday, there's too many commander players. I could never do it. Another event on a Thursday. Um, Wednesday is that your most popular event that you hold is the commander nights. Um, that and Pokemon um, commander probably gets the most people on average, but my Pokemon, I mean, I've, I've, the Pokemon's a wild day because uh, you have just a lot of generations of, of age groups. Uh, so I have like anywhere from 10 year olds, eight year olds to, you know, 30, 40, 50 year olds playing Pokemon. Um, so, um, so it gets a little hectic with that, but, um, but yeah, probably the largest turnout. So we always make the parents stay if they're under the age of like 14, 15, um, for, for Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Um, so we might only have 30 people playing, but we've got 50 people in the building, you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, commander's probably our largest group of players, uh, but we don't do like an event. It's just casual play. Um, I felt like we've, we've found out that if you try to make it commander too competitive, it starts fracturing the play groups. Does that make sense? Yes. And, uh, you know, um, so we just have it casual. People rotate in and out between like groups of four and it, it works out real smooth. Um, and then like Wednesday is only Digimon um, because not a lot of people in our area want to do much on a Wednesday. So it's just Digimon players. Um, and then like Friday is magic and Shadowverse, which is a new card game. And it is taken off like a rocket 
in our area. So it was like a slow burn at first. Uh, it released about a month ago. And that first week I was sitting on about, you know, $1,000, our cost and product. And I was like, mm, this is going to be rough right here. We're taking an L on this one, you know, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then it's just one of those, we sold a starter deck and I was like, Hmm. And then we sold another one. I was like, huh, you know, it just kind of, and then next thing I know I'm out of Shadowverse product and I'm like, oh man. So I ordered like 30 or 40 boxes, more booster boxes, which is all the, the uh, distributors had at that time. I ordered all of it and I sold out of it in an hour and a half, you know, and you just complete like, 180 from what you expected. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 You so so you're just, you know, cause you're sitting there and you're like, man, I just, I just wasted a grand, you know, like, cause I normally throw a grand at every card game. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, it could be, you know, you know, poop fighters three or something, some, something <sighs> terrible, you know, and I'd be like, man, we'll right. throw a thousand dollars at it. We'll see what happens, you know? Um, so it's kind of, you know, throw, throw stuff at a wall and see what sticks, you know? Uh, but Shadowverse was a, was a pleasant surprise. Um, how would you describe the card game? I haven't heard of this one. I don't believe. So it started out as a, um, a digital, like online card game, kind of like, um, what's the D and D or the, uh, the world of Warcraft one hearthstone hearthstone. Yeah, yes. So it was a, it is a competitor for hearthstone and it's probably one of the more popular online app games. And then, so, um, Psy games, which runs it, um, partnered with bushy row and, made a paper version of this game and um it's it's taken off um it's interesting um so you have like uh classes that you can be so you're like your deck's a wizard class your deck is a warrior class you know so i haven't played it a hundred percent but i've watched some gameplay and it looks interesting um the app is really intuitive into the gameplay like uh you can literally not talk to your opponent um it has a voice command like module thing where you just press a button and it's like your turn attack phase main phase you know like it it's 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 really interesting then they also introduced um like the tap pay things on like credit cards and stuff rfid so they put rfd tags in their cards like their high-end cards and you kind of like tap it to your phone and it gives you a special, special character that is only yours, which is interesting. Um, those cards, you know, right now they're holding it about 150 to $200 um, for those cards. Um, but the game was a play- present supply- surprise. Um, it, it turned out a lot better than I thought. Um, I think we had 15 for it on Friday for our first tournament. Um, so I'm hoping that it keeps growing. So. Yeah, hopefully it turns out, you know, the more card games, the better. And I, speaking of, um, you know, card games in general, you're not the first store I've heard. Uh, you're talking to Treasure Coast Magic um, on the previous episode of the podcast. They also talked about the popularity of Pokemon at their store, too. So hearing it at your store as well, I see it more of a buying product standpoint here in New York. I don't see many people playing it as much but i it seems like from other states uh, other states are having success with um having tournaments and stuff for pokemon and i know it's like kind of a generational thing which is where the popularity came from and i'm curious from your end if the popularity stems from before covid uh was it was it there then because i remember that's when i started seeing the pickup of people buying it was during covid so i'm curious if 
you've been seeing this popularity of Pokemon uh, for an extended period of time. I haven't seen, I did not see it before COVID before COVID. There was only about 10 players in our area. Um, but after COVID it is kind of exploded. Um, and so much so in our area that we had a regional for the first time last year in Knoxville and they're doing it again because the, the turnout was so great. So, uh, so they're doing another Pokemon regional in Knoxville. So, um, so that's interesting. So I think our area is kind of, um, kind of growing a lot faster than they expected. And so they're kind of pushing our area a little bit more. That's something I, I find it fascinating to see that that game take off because I don't know about you, but like when I was a kid growing up, it, that was pure. We purely just collected the cards. We never actually played the oh, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I never played it really until I was an adult. Uh, so somebody took me to a Pokemon regional. They talked me into it. And so it was like in Charlotte or something like that. And uh, which were about three hours from Charlotte. They took me to Charlotte and I played this Durant mill deck. And he was like, literally, he was just like, you go get your three Durants out. You put a metal energy on it and you mill them for four. Oh, is that it? And they're like, yeah. And at the time, like the best deck was like this stall deck. And it would like put a big wall out front and wait for you to deck yourself. So by playing mill, you milled them while they're hiding behind their wall. I'm just, it's amazing, isn't it? How the various card games and the archetypes you could play, how each different card game still has those similarities that tie them together, like with mill and, you know, just the resource allocations and whatnot, and and just using a wall to block yourself while you try to carry out your plan. It's amazing how they all seem to tie into each other like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I just wish Wizards of the Coast would make uh, Battle of Wits like Evergreen and just put it in every format. That way I can just play Battle of Wits and Standard, you know, where it's actually, you know, could be competitive. So <laughs> are you get, getting to play like I know you said you don't have time to do the competitive scene anymore, but in, in your in your free time that you do have, what are you playing these days? Is it still magic? Uh, Yeah, magic. I play Popper. Um with my popper crowd on Tuesday sometimes. Um, it's a fun format. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just silly. You know, it's just like, Oh, okay. We'll just play this stuff. You know, um, we try to have a, a like, it's not a, like a strict rule, but it's just like a gentleman's agreement that nobody plays burn. You know, it's like, don't play burn, you know, cause it's basically just the legacy deck minus like three cards, you know, like <laughs> that's one of so, my decks. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. 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 It's just kind of like a gentleman's agreement that we just don't do it. You know, it moves it's, very fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. You're sitting there and you're like, Oh, I'm at eight. I'm fine. He only has one card in hand and then he, you know, you're dead. You know? Yeah. Like, it's fun, but silly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but um, so yeah, I've been playing a lot of um, the Boros um, synthesizer combo, or not combo, but the draw. You know, basically you draw your whole deck with bouncing synthesizers. But uh, I play that, and then um, normally on Mondays I go and play Modern at a, another store in town um, that's a friend of mine. Um, but I probably won't make it tonight. So, how is the the competition with with other stores? I know you all you know try to help each other out when you can, but in terms of proximity. Um to the next store closest to you other store are the stores that are within your vicinity are they close by or is there like a significant gap in terms of uh time to get like from your store say to the next closest store to you so the next closest store to me is two miles uh, but 
uh, the guy doesn't do card games. Okay. Uh, he, he carries card products, um, but he's mainly like your old school comic book store that sells like board games, comic books, um, Warhammer 40K stuff, you know, that kind of thing. So, so I let him have all the all that stuff and he kind of lets me have all of my stuff and we send each other people back and forth you know somebody comes in there asking for 40k stuff i'll be like "Hmm, bud that's not something i do you know you can go see Dwayne. you know um that's good that you have that business relationship that you can help each other out like that yeah yeah so it's been it's been great so far um he deals in like pops so i don't mess with pops it's all him you know uh board games that's that's his baby. You can keep it, you know, type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just worked out a lot better that way. Because uh, also, board games isn't something I'm very passionate about. So, if some if somebody else wants to take that off my hands, by all means. Um, and then you know, pops staring at me with their big bug eyes. Not a fan. So you can you can keep those too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I tell you though, I, when I went on your website, I was quite impressed by the number of various products you carry, and you know, not just in the TCG world. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're actually about to remove Legos. Somebody just offered to buy out our whole Lego selection, so we're we're getting rid of those. Uh, we're going to transition a little bit. We need to update a few things on the website. We've got a few, few new items that we've just been slammed. Uh, new releases have buried us uh, under the table, so to speak. So, so we've got a few things we need to add. But thank you for the website uh, stuff. Yeah, we try to keep a wide selection uh, for everybody. Basically, um, we're actually working on adding our used video game inventory to that website right now. Um, so, hopefully, that'll be active here in the next three or four weeks. How is it managing that and cataloging all the various products? Uh, A mess. So there, like it never fails every day. I'll go to scan something with a barcode and then it would be like one of like out of 10 items, one of them won't be in the system. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm." you know, like (laughs) because you know, you're sitting there and sometimes uh, our like day shift, day shift people, uh, a person uh, he's basically by himself until about three o'clock. You know, from one to three, he's by himself. So if a shipment comes in and then he's busy with customers, I mean, it's basically sometimes it can be, you know, hectic and, you know, sometimes things get missed. You know, it's not that big of a deal because we price everything. Um, we, we make sure to price everything, um, uh, like put a sticker on it to make sure, you know, you know, the price is there. But, you know, mistakes happen. You know, it's one of those when we can afford to hire another person to help him out, we will. But until then. It's what we got, you know, so. Do you believe having the luxury of having the five full-time employees enables you to venture into these other products that just aren't exclusive to TCGs that allow you to expand the store in that manner? Yeah. Um, so it's, it helps. It helps a ton. Um, knowing that I don't have to worry about the back end as much um, is kind of great. So, cause it allows me to be more flexible with the front end of the store. Um, so yeah, it does help. Um, and then also each one of my guys has their own little like niche hobby that they love, you know? So they all, we're all kind of bound together by card games. That's like the center, the center, like little mechanism, the glue that sticks us all together, but we all have our own separate hobbies from card games, you know, like, so how we got into Gundams is one of our employees really likes Gundams, you know, like I like the show, but he likes building them. 
you know, so he can tell me what, when a kid is coming out, what kid it is, you know, how popular it'll be, you know, that kind of thing. So we know to get these certain Gunpla kits in. Um, one employee is really big into anime. So he can tell you what the hottest anime slash manga stuff is. Um, and so, you know, we get all that stuff in and it, it sells really well. Um, you know, um, you know, and then video games, the, the one, my main guy that runs the front counter, he's a big video game nerd. So he has resident evil and kingdom hearts tattoos all up both of his arms, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we all have our own little niche, um, that we're, we're good at. So it's certainly, I think with the number of products you have certainly a unique aspect to your store. And it's great that you have the employees help facilitate that. And then you have them in their own, you know, they all have their own niche topic that they can specialize in to add more value to the store. What would you say is another thing about the store that you feel makes it unique that may not be seen in another store? Probably just like the positive energy of like our play groups. Uh, like we don't really have anybody that gets mad and like flips tables or sits there and like cusses people or stuff. We have one guy that we joke, uh, we call him salt master as a joke. And, <laughs> but you know, you can tell he's a little flustered, but what he does is he goes outside and rages. You get what I'm saying? And he doesn't, he doesn't take it out on the person or anything. He just, you'll see him, he'll get up, he'll grab a soda out of the thing, give us money for it and walk outside and you won't see him for 10 or 15 minutes. And then he comes back and he's cool as a cucumber and he's back at it, you know? You know, just like the, the, the community around us is very positive in that aspect, you know, um, you know, and they all, so and we have like a, we have a discord and then we have other, they've broken off and they've made like their own like friend chats now in these play groups, you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of a growing thing, you know, like people are friends with people that they never would expect, you know, like we have a, we have a brain surgeon that invites all the Pokemon guys over, you know, to the to go to his like lake house you get what i'm saying like when would a 25 year old guy be friends with a brain surgeon you know what i'm saying you know <laughs> so so yeah it's it's just it's just interesting you know of course yeah and definitely from the camaraderie that you've shared about your store here you know i was looking at some of the ratings of your store from people that have shopped there before and one of them caught my eye in particular from Brittany williams she wrote incredibly friendly and kind staff sincerely cares for their patrons Greatly enjoyed my experience here and plan plan on supporting this cool local business again in the future. I think that right there, Mark, tells you everything you need to know. You're doing a great job. Yeah, we try, like I said, we try to be as helpful as humanly possible. You know, we can't have every item that people want. You know, uh, if we had evolving skies for every person that comes in and asks for it, we'd be rich. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the ideal scenario, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we try to, we try to have as many products as we possibly can for everybody to have a selection. Um, you know, uh, you even have your own play map. I saw that you're, you're Oh dude, those things are hot. Uh, so that's amazing. So, so that's actually the third batch that we've made. Uh, we sold out of the first batch on a pre-order in like 20 minutes. Um, and so then we got another batch in. And we sold, I only listed 10 of them online and then we sold out of all 38 of them or whatever in store in an hour and a half. Um, so, and then this one, I just posted this one last night and I posted 50 of them. I posted 50 of them. We've already sold 40. 
Wow, that's amazing. I like how modest the listing was. A few people have asked for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was um, genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We tried to, we were, you know, we try not to like brag, openly brag or whatever, but the guy that designs that, he's, I mean, he's so talented, the guy that designed that. That's um, cool. Yeah, um, he, uh, he's, he's wild. Like, uh, you, you remember Van Warp Tour? Like the old, like music. Oh, the tour? Warp Tours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was a guitarist for a band that traveled in Warp Tour, and he would make like all these logos for these bands and stuff. And then somehow through his travels, he just stopped in our area and just never left. And he, he's like a guitarist. He's like a famous guitarist. Um, I don't want to out him. Um, but yeah, he's like a famous guitarist. And <laughs> and he just kind of stopped in our area, you know, and he's been playing card games at the store. And he's like, yeah, I've been kind of dabbling in art. You want me to do something for you? I'm like, yeah, man. And he did that. And I was like, man, that is insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> really know, awesome. Like, yeah. Did, so. did you have to do any marketing like to get people interested in, in that? Like, cause it seems like it's selling itself almost. Oh yeah. The playmat. No, I have not done any marketing. So after the first batch came in, like I posted in the discord, Hey guys, you know, we got the playmats ordered, you know, this is a small run just to see how they look, you know, when they come in, because you never know what the print quality is going to be when you order stuff, you know, through the on online, you know, like through other companies that you've never dealt with mm -hmm. before. And then it came in and they were hot. You know what I'm saying? They were look, they look so clean. The colors were so rich and we just set it on the counter and we just put a sticker on it, you know, $20 or whatever. And I mean, they just rolled, you know, and then now I've got people that have never even played at my store that live in the area that ordered one of these play mats. That's a great success story. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the play mat has been, has been hot and it's uh it's, it's kind of wild really. You know, you got people like, like I said, never really stepped foot in my store. It was like, Hey, I saw your play mat. It looks awesome. I want one you know <laughs> oh good for you mark that's great to hear <laughs> yeah. yeah that's cool so outside of the play mat so how since that's selling itself how do you go about marketing your other products or marketing the store in general what's your preferred avenue to do so so uh facebook or meta meta is very very good tool uh we have a um, customer you see and this is all about building relationships uh right here is like we have a customer that works for a very large marketing firm i can't really say who or what you it's okay um and uh i mean he's basically doing all of our google ads and stuff for basically free you know, um, you know, so he comes in, he, he gives he sends me like a weekly spreadsheet update, you know, um, about every Monday at like six o'clock, I'll get a big long email from him and it's breaking down all our data and stuff like that and clicks and sales and confirmed open carts, abandoned carts, you know, confirmed purchases, you know, age groups that have come through the store, like come through on the website, how many people have called through the click button on Google. I mean, he has a whole breakdown and he shows like the growth rate of like the clicks and, and, and like, <laughs> it's one of those, you know, it pays to be nice to everybody that walks in the door. You know what I'm saying? Whether they spend a dime, you know, or not, it just pays to be nice. Hey, you know, Hey, how you doing? If you have any questions, just let me know, you know? And then if you're busy with something, be like, Hey, I'm a little busy. But if you have any questions, just let me know, you know, I'll, I'll take time, you know, make sure that they know that they're the priority, no matter what you're doing in the store. Um, and uh, it, it, it really 
benefits and works out in the long run because you have people that are just willing just to help out the store just to help you all out no benefits to them they just want a place to play you've been nice to them they'll help you out any way they can you know without a doubt yeah it's always good to hear it's just good karma just you know help you know helping people without expecting anything in return yeah yeah i mean the play mat the play mat design you know the 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 google ad you know the google analytics and all that stuff you know you know it's just people just willing to donate their time to the store you know um and that's that's something that you know you don't get everywhere of course yeah you're you're doing a good thing mark i really like hearing about everything going on at the store I guess my last question here would be one of my favorite things to ask is about the store layout. And if you were to describe to a new customer coming into the store like myself or somebody else that's coming, that's moved to uh, Tennessee or that's coming to the store for the first time, how would you describe the store layout to somebody new? When we first moved in there, we didn't quite have as many products as uh, we do now. And uh, I think uh, I think the guy that works for me named Kirk, he's the uh, blonde-haired guy on top of the play mat. So there's me and the UT orange shirt with the beard. That's me. And then the other one's Kirk. And uh, he described it as a lineal space, uh, <laughs> which is like, you know, like, like horror movies. You know what I'm saying? Like just a long, <laughs> straight space, you know, <laughs> yeah. with the lots just running parallel with everything. Um, yeah. So that's that's how he originally described it, but we've got we've got a little bit more uh, fizzazz now. Um, so so how you would walk in, the first thing you walk in is the the registers right there on the left at the door, you know, um, and then you're greeted with like what you would consider like impulse buys, um, like uh, little tiny like uh, gotcha ponds, uh, like uh, you know squish toys, plushies, that kind of thing, and then games are on the right side right there when you first walk in and then you move into like the Gundams and then the anime merch and then you go into the play space so the way it's made is and anybody starting out a store needs to know this people don't like shopping in a place that is crowded with people they don't know okay so if your play space is also your sales space you're going to have problems you get what I'm saying people are going to show up to your store and people that are, have social anxiety and stuff like that won't come back. You get what I'm saying? So, so we make sure that we have a, like a dividing line between play space and retail space, you know? Um, so basically once you start passing the snacks and the drink machines, you've entered play space, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and the tables are clearly laid out, you know, you know, you're going in there to sit down and do something, you know, not, you know, Oh, I wonder what's over here. You know, um, it's very cut and dry. You, you know, that that's what that's there for, you know, um, you know, some customers get weirded out, you know, by having a bunch of people just hovering around them that they don't know, you know, especially when they all have backpacks. I don't know what it is, but some people get freaked out by backpacks, you know, <laughs> especially when there's 40 people in there with backpacks. So that's how we have it laid out. Currently, uh, we're talking about expanding into our next door area. Um, which will open up our retail space greatly. Um, so right now I think I've got about 1500 square feet of retail, um, opening that up. It'll give me another like 2000 more square feet of retail space. So that'd be great. Are you going to remain in the general area of where you are now? Yeah. Yeah. I love our area. Uh, it's, um, there's an elementary school behind me. There's a high school right across the street, you know? Um, so there's food in the shopping center. 
So my players, if they want to go eat, there's places for them to eat. If they want to go, you know, they need a, you know, pack of chewing gum. There's a dollar general right there in the same shopping center. It's very convenient. Your, your location. Yeah. 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 And so we're just going to, there's an old bookstore that's next door to us that we're going to take over basically. Okay. Um, Yeah. Um, And then we'll just make the current space that we're in the play space and then make that other, the new space, the retail space, basically. Um, That sounds great. Is, is, is the plan is the, the, the master plan. But also uh, another tip for anybody opening a store, um, if they ever want to, is make sure you have the checkout counter near the door, okay? It helps cut down on theft, helps cut down on people wondering where the checkout is, too, because uh, it's right there. And it also helps with, like, greeting customers and stuff, because you're already right there as they come in. You can say, hey, you know, how you doing, and that type of thing, so... Very good food for thought. And you kind of alluded to it already with the finding a bigger space. Are there any other aspirations you have for the store? Well, um, <laughs> I've got, I've got crazy super lunatic ideas and then, that's okay. Yeah. yeah you can share that. <laughs> so, uh, there's a space in town that's for sale and I really want it. Uh, it's a uh, 20,000 square feet. Um, it's an old, it's an old racquetball gym. So, like a racquetball gymnasium thing. It's got a swimming pool in it. It's got, you know, racquetball courts or tennis courts in the back. It's got huge space. It's got an upstairs. It's got a downstairs. Unlimited money idea was like, take the space, make the upstairs, um, make the upstairs like the offices, the inventory, like the card singles, da, 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 and then make the downstairs like a retail space you know, just all retail. And then, um, so there's this game called pickleball that's blown up in my area. I don't know if it's, Oh yes, I've heard of it. Um, and so there's not really any area that supports it around here. So I was going to make like pickleball courts in the back, basically to convert those old tennis courts into like pickleball courts. I don't play pickleball, but I know a lot of people who do, you know what I'm saying? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's one of those, like make it into like a pickleball area, have that little swimming pool, maybe put me a little apartment up there for me and my wife and then make one of those <laughs> tennis courts into like a little yard for my dogs. And then boom, there we go. I've got a, I've got, I'm always at the store. I've got a swimming pool. I've got a yard, you know, um, plenty of parking. Parking is a must, by the way, if you open a store, don't underestimate parking. Okay. Um, don't, if you're looking at spaces and it's only got five or six parking spots, just move on. Okay, uh, that's because nobody carpools. You get what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah, everybody's in their own area and they're all, they all want to drive themselves. Yep. So like Commander Knight, you know, I have 40 separate cars out in the parking lot. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's definitely a good thing to keep yeah. in mind is, you know, I, I'm just thinking of it yesterday. You know, we, we went to a restaurant with my family and had to park on the side of the street. There wasn't any parking lot for this restaurant. And I was like, oh, geez, I was like, I prefer when there's a parking lot. So it's, it's a very good... Um, notion to use for any business yeah and in your area there might be more access to public transportation but my area uh the the city buses shut down at like three o'clock so that's early yeah hours are constant yeah yeah like three or four o'clock they're shut down you know and they literally only run to like food city target walmart and then the big housing communities like you know like the big uh, like apartment complexes in the area Mm -hmm. but they don't they don't go anywhere else, you know? So it's just like, 
Well, if you ain't going to Walmart, Target, or Food City, which is like the 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 grocery, the southern, it's a southern grocery chain, um, pretty big. Um, you know, if you're not going to any one of those, you ain't going there. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so public transportation is just not a thing here. Well, I certainly hope, Mark, that the big you know, idea you have for what you want to do in the store in the future. I sure hope that comes to fruition for you. I think it will with the trajectory you're on with the store, with the positive feedback you're getting from people. Uh, I can tell you're a good dude. So I I do hope this uh, comes to fruition for you. I think, uh, I think it has legs. Um, So before we sign off here, I wanted to just uh, give you the time to let people know where they could find you and where they could find out more about the cardboard shuffle. Uh, yeah, uh, cardboardshuffle.com is, uh, you know, that takes you to the website. Um, the website is, uh, we, we like to still say it's in beta. Um, you know, we're always adding stuff and changing things. Um, so bear in mind with that. Um, and then, you know, cardboard shuffle on Facebook, uh, Instagram threads, I mean, YouTube, uh, we're on all those. And, uh, so if you have any questions about anything, uh, also our discords, just cardboard shuffle. Uh, if you have any questions about anything, you know, we'll help you out to the best of our ability. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. Awesome, Mark. Well, I'll share those links in the show notes for this episode. Uh, again, thank you for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure getting to talk with you. Yeah. Pleasure having me on. So thank you. My pleasure. And for everyone listening, um, if you'd like to check out, like I mentioned at the top of the episode, our previous episode with Treasure Coast Magic, who could be found at treasurecoastmagic.com, you can feel free to listen to that previous episode. This episode uh, with Cardboard Shuffle and Mark will be the next one we release, and it marks our 10th episode of the Matchlip Podcast. And with that launch of the Matchlip Podcast, we're officially launching our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thematchlip if you care to donate to the cause. You can feel free. Otherwise, no no worries at all. And additionally, come September 1st, we're teasing right now our first official product line for the Match Slip, which will be sharing more details on September 1st when SCGCon in Columbus is launched. Other than that, if you'd like to subscribe to the Match Slip, you could do so at thematchslip.com slash newsletter. Again, follow Cardboard Shuffle on facebook you could also follow find them on cardboardshuffle.com as mark had mentioned and with that we will talk to you all in the next episode take care